Greetings Grapple fans and welcome once again to another episode of Let Me Tell You Something during its Meltzer 5 Star Project, a year-long odyssey to watch every match that we can get our hands on. And by we, I mean me, your co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other co-host... Simon Cross. And we're going back in time. We're doing the time warp again because we are able to now give you a revised, updated episode as very early on in our run, let me just check the notes here, episode 8 was a mini-sode where we were only able to talk about the truncated highlights of this match, but in a recent uploading to the WWE Network, coming quite out of the blue, the full, night well, not the full, because some of the first round matches are missing, but four hours worth of the 1986 Crockett Cup tournament was made available, including the full version of this five-star match between the Fantastics of Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton against the Sheep Herders of Butch Miller and Luke Williams, better known as the Bushwhackers, the only people that could argue have run the full uh, length of the usual star rating system, as not only do they have this five-star match to their name under Dave Meltzer, Mr. Meltzer also rated a match that they had a mere 13 years later, minus five stars. <laughs> oh, we will have God. to come back to that. Maybe that could be a good Halloween episode. Where we watch, just all, watch the minus, all the bad all wrestling. minus star matches. Uh, well, um, as listeners will know, um, well, as ardent listeners will know, we did a rev- uh, episodic review of World of Sport, and um, um, we can be quite scathing sometimes, so if we're scraping the barrel that low, I'd dread to think some of the language we'll be using. <laughs> but no, as Lorcan says, uh, to quote the great bard Craig David, re-rewind when the crowd says bow, selector. Uh, so yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, obviously because this is a um, audio-only format, you can't see the look of pure hatred I just got. They can, they can sort of, you know how you can almost smell people through the through the screen, or you can hear a a, a soundless gif. I, I think in their mind's eye they saw it. Yeah, yeah. I think that was um, expertly visualised. And also, whatever visual you have of me that you may not have seen of any social media, I'm much more handsome. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you wouldn't believe he's a podcaster. Anyway. Um, what we're doing uh, is the full match of the uh, New Zealand sheep herders, as they were constantly being referred to. As they were yeah. being announced by a very, very young Bruce Pritchard. That is mad. Like the uh, obviously, if you flick through the whole Crockett Cup, you see in various youthful guy, well, not youth, well, youthful guises, uh, Jr. Cornet Pritchard. Totally it's weird. 
Tony Schiavone as well. That moustache yep. is fooling no one. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Tony Schiavone. No. Actually, I'm just looking it up now. How old would Bruce Pritchard have been at this point? 63. So he would have been 23 when they did this show. And Jim Ross... That's mad. Jim Ross would have been 34. Good Lord. And Jim Cornette would be... 40, like late 30s, early 25. 40s. Bloody hell! Jim's younger than Ross by about Jim nine Cornette years. Jim Cornette is still only 57. Jesus Christ. His crotchiness ages him by about 20 years. Oh yeah, he's always had the attitude and opinions of a 70-year-old man. You know how some people with, grow with, into with their nose. With shockingly liberal politics, but, yeah. you know... <laughs> Uh, some people grow into their nose or their ears. He grows into his personality. Mm. But anyway, uh, let's get to the match itself. Uh, I remember what we said in the previous recordings was that we enjoyed what we saw. It was at a time when Dave Meltzer really seemed to enjoy his chaotic matches. Yes. This is a, this is a match that ends in a double disqualification. And I'm just looking through the previous ones. Like uh, Three of the eight at that point have ended in double countouts or double disqualifications. Uh, the other two being Tiger Mask versus Dynamite, the very first match. And then the Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody against the Funks, yeah. uh, All Japan clash. I don't even think the bell rang. It was just, it just ended, didn't it? And then, oh no, the bell did ring, but I mean, yeah. nothing was ever announced. Um, what's also worth watching, I don't know if you've seen in the clips, but this is a bit of a surprise quarterfinal to be held, had in this tournament as both teams had scored big upset victories in the previous round, they have been unseeded entrants, or at least they were ones that had to take part in the first round, so this was their third match of the night. Um, okay. The Fantastics had caused an upset win over Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in the previous Shh. match, who, in the previous round, who had had a buy into the second round. And the Sheep Herders have beaten two of the Guerreros, I'm guessing given the time period that's probably... Chavo and Mondo or Hector, uh, one of uh, two of those three, I would assume. And then in the second round, they scored a controversial disqualification victory over the Rock and Roll Express. And that's what the Fantastics really fall under in this period of time. That I think Jim Cornette himself recently, uh, I heard. I'm sure he said it many times before. Tag teams that were referred to as uh, let's be kind and call them BJ tag teams. <laughs> uh, right. Teams that elicited uh, interest from the uh, female persuasion. Oh, Jesus, Jim. Yeah. So you're looking at your your rock and roll expresses, your fabulous ones. I mean, the Fantastics were originally a team called the Fantastic Ones, with um, Bobby Fulton and Terry Taylor. That um, was it. Otherwise known as the Red Rooster. <laughs> uh, then Fulton met, was put together with Rogers and they became the Fantastics. Um, noticeably, this is also funny that it's a match involving noticeably short wrestlers within this period of time. They're all yeah. looking five foot nine on the toes. I think like toes the um, Bush, Bushwhackers manager, Jack Victory, looks like the tallest. Oh, I don't know if it's because he's got the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously he's got that giant flagpole with him which further like, accentuates it. Yes, um, Tommy Rogers. I think if Tommy Rogers had been like six foot one or something and had that look and that physique, he would have been at least given a chance to become a huge single star. 
Yeah. He has 80s um, heartthrob good looks and a fantastic physique. Bobby Fulton's more of a, he's trying the best he can, but eventually Mother Nature's going to take its toll. <laughs> when I looked at um, his Wikipedia page as part of this, I can confirm that Mother Nature has indeed taken its toll on Bobby Fulton. Yeah, but he's still alive, though, unlike Tommy, sadly. Well, some you win, some you lose. Um, so, yeah, they're just this classic babyface tag team that were the, all the rage going up to the Midnight Rockers were probably the last of that version and then yeah. in modern day con- uh, mo- well not modern day now but you know subsequent versions of that would be uh, your Hardy Boys would be the most successful probably maybe the and most you... successful version of all time actually yeah. Uh, but yeah the Rockers um, in between there but it's funny how the names were all sort of mishmashed and, and jumbled together. You had the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Fabulous Ones, the Fantastics. Then mm. the, the Rockers come along, and they're the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. They become the Midnight Rockers. Um, yeah, just really good, and and it works within the tag team formula because it allows the hot tag, and you know the the, and this is a classic example of. Again, there is a great with, hot tag in this, you're right. Yeah, again, what I said with Shawn Michaels and, and Mankind and in other matches where the um, more technically gifted wrestler is put into an unusual environment, in in this case, the sheep herders that can't out-wrestle them various points at the start of the match. They're being outwitted, out-moved, out-wrestled. Yeah. Especially by Tommy Rogers. Bobby Fulton's up for the fight from the start and, uh, you know, does it does an impromptu pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That is beautiful. They really lean into the light. I mean, obviously, they, they do try and start the USA chance, but they really feed off the crowd's response to it. It's pro- he's proper hardcore up for it. This is obviously the height of Reagan America and, and against those rusky Soviets and, and you know... <laughs> It's but it's just weird. Time. It's not. It's not like a main rival. It's, it's New Zealand. Time. Yes. Well, that's the thing. They can just hate anyone. Um, though it's funny as well. Did you notice when they when he calls them back into the ring, he calls them limeys, just because <laughs> just because the Union Jacks on the flag doesn't make them. They're not. They're not our lot. Uh, we just we just own them for a bit. They're not our. They're not. We're, we're not them. Yeah, they're just Commonwealth. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose all us Commonwealthers look the same to you, do yeah. we? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that was that was my one line when Fulton leads the Pledge of Allegiance. The whole crowd's joining in. I just my note was that's an elaborate chant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly four syllables, is it? No, no, you did that in the wrong tune. Yep. See if you'd pick up on it and. You did. Mm. But yeah, the Fantastics, they do, like, again, it's a combination of all these different things. They do the, they do the, the Fabulous Ones strut at one point. The Fabulous Ones were the team that they eliminated in the first round of the tournament as well. Uh, that being Stan Lane and Steve Kern, a.k.a. Skinner. And Stan Lane, uh, about a year or so later, would go on to join, uh, to be brought into the Midnight Express. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of your classic 80s stuff, drop kicks galore. Oh, they execute some really good ones to to their credit. Mm. But yeah, Bobby Fulton is is really up for the aggressive brawling side of things. He he takes it to them. 
Uh, whereas, like I said, Rogers until the end really does. When he comes in, he's doing drop toe holds and drop. He's and... trying to steady the ship. Yeah, like, he's trying to get the, them back into their comfort zone. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, but it's also funny as well because like there's like two heat segments, both on um, Bobby Fulton actually. Very early on, they get a bit of an advantage on him, but he's able to uh, escape it. Yes. Um, so it's structured a little bit differently. Um, and then he gets, and then they go brawling on the outside, and, and finally the sheep. It's it's good when the sheep herders get their advantage, and they do a lot of um. One bit I really liked was Butch did this great little kidney shot mm. to Bobby Fulton, like when he started working over him. It just kind of looked like some out of World of Sport or something like that, you know. And it's just funny seeing the bushwhackers like working really hard. And the thing is, they always, if you look back at the Bushwhackers, they did put on a show and they used tag team psychology and they were doing all sorts of stuff like that. It was just farcical, comedic, you you either go with it or you don't. And if you don't, then it's maybe like... it's horrible to watch. You know, it can be the most embarrassing stuff if, if, you know, the the classic someone walking in on you watching wrestling. (laughs) And if it's the Bushwhackers, it's a lot harder to justify what you're watching. Now, has this specifically happened to you, Lorcan? Because this feels a little no, bit too personal. No, you can no, 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 no. That's just, no. <laughs> That's but, a lot of no's. Uh, yeah, I doth protest too much. Um, I No, I don't I don't recall it ever being like that. I didn't, no. I, uh, at the point where I'd start getting embarrassed would be the Bushwhackers weren't on TV really anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, when you're seven, eight, nine, you love the Bushwhackers, and I've always had a, I've always had a soft spot for the Bushwhackers. And then you learn about their sheep herders' origins; it comes to make you respect them even more because they're both old men at this point. They're well into their forties. Like Butcher retired once already before they came to the WWE. That must be so annoying when you're like one half of like such a synonymous team. Like when the when the first USO retires, that's going to really annoy the other one. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, um, like the Young Bucks, um, I think there's two or three years between them, so you Five. Like... Five? Five. I was surprised, but it is five. I didn't know it was that much. So that must yeah. be a factor in, um, that'll be a factor in that, you know, you would assume that Nick, the younger one, will therefore have to retire maybe a bit sooner than he'd want to. Uh well I can't remember which one it is that's got like did the singles run when the other one was injured but um one of them's got potential to try and strike it out on their own well Nick is Nick is the better athlete out of the two of them yeah really, but Matt's more the personality uh but let's not talk about them let's talk about the um the sheep herders and the Fantastics one thing um I did want to um I I, I just love the drunk staggeredness yes. of um, the selling yeah. of Bobby Fulton. Um, when it, when he just comes up and has a great spot just before he's trying to re-enter the ring and he's, his face is a crimson mask and he's just trying to get his fists out in front of him to like make sure he can defend himself before heading back into the ring. Yeah, he has a good glazed sort of semi-concussed look. Um, he's, um, Punch um, drunk. He, it seems like he's cut himself. Then they ram him into the steel post. And I can't remember if they would have done something to him beforehand that would justify it, or if it's kind of a, you see it before it should happen. You know? Yeah. I'm not sure. And it's weird. You do see, like, a very... You definitely wouldn't get it now, but he comes back into the ring, and then um, one of the sheep herders tries to work the cut by biting him. Yes. Which oh, then, I, like, 
that's very dated. You wouldn't see that now. Not we not with every blood now. Anyway, well, but I'm again, just saying with like the whole um, Undertaker hepatitis fit, like yeah, scare yeah. and stuff like that. You just wouldn't see that now. But again, with the whole um, them being dragged down to the the sheep herders level, when Tommy Rogers bloodies one of them up, he does the very same thing. He bites Butch or Luke as well. Yeah, uh, like I say, like I say, I like Butch and Luke sort of flailing arms and uh, when they when they <laughs> get hit with something, and they bump all over the place really. Um, and there's just some classic tag team stuff still in there. Like I remember at one point Butch. Stops a hot tag. Another time, there's a phantom tag where the ref's distracted. So he oh, the phantom see. tag's good because it doesn't seem like a phantom. There didn't seem a lot wrong with it, apart mm. from the fact that obviously it was just unsighted from the referee's perspective. If they had VAR, it would have been fine. Mm. It would have took like a five minute interval in the match, but it would have been fine. That's a good thing. It's not against the Cameroon sheep herd. <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> now that would have been extreme. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just, like I said, it's structured. Baby faces keep getting one up on the team. Every time the heels try to get some advantage, and they do for a brief period, they're being cut off for the first half. Then they go to the out, the, the, the sheep herders finally take it to the outside, and they get that opening when they can split open uh, Bobby Fulton's head. When Jack uh, Victory gets involved. Yes. And um, and then when then they're waiting for the, the hot tag, and it finally comes. Uh I guess one of the reasons maybe that they do play about with the format as well is just it's a whole night of tag team matches. So yeah, you've got. I guess you feel like you have to mix and match up, mix up with the with the formula as well. I know. I I definitely agree. Um, What did you like? uh, What did you make of Jack Victory's like flagpole strikes? He did this seem to think where he'd come over, stop for like half a second, then do the flagpole. He like always wanted to make sure he didn't accidentally like. Gray's the guy. I don't know. Seemed like he. I I didn't really pay that much attention to the Jack Victory side of it. What I really liked was at one point Butch detaches a bit of the flagpole. That's a beautiful bit. And he doesn't do the thing where you crack the whole thing over the back. He specifically jabs the butt of it into Tommy Rogers' back. Uh, Mm. I like that as a like it's it's more um, sadistic. You know, and it's a relatable pain. I think, really, everyone understands yeah. the difference between one. Some for some reason, you've got that subconscious understanding of why certain things hurt more. Like when, um, well, I mean, it's not hard to see why, but you know that when, you know, they they like to lay the the chairs out like a table where you crash through the seats, but sometimes the necro butcher or someone will twist them, and so it's <laughs> the the edges and. Uh... Everyone's yeah. jarred their back on something. Or just how we all somehow know that the, that the ring apron, without even being told by Michael Cole, is it's the, the hardest, hardest part of the ring. ring. I don't know why it is that we understand that. I guess it's just the the smaller surface area or something yeah. like that. And we know that's where the frame would be. Mm, mm. But yeah, um, I mean, it's just the, 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 the brawl at the end is absolute chaos and, and really good, well done chaos and they're they're finding their openings and and by the end of it are all four of them bleeding or is tommy rogers not he's just got a lot of other people's blood covering him oh it's a difficult i think tommy is bleeding a little bit Mm. but i think it's quite a recent cut i think it is just exacerbated by the fact there's so much blood on him but jack victory's bleeding as well so by the end of it you got four at least four possibly five people bleeding yeah and what I also enjoy is how the refs are having to try and break up the chaos, but there's only two of them. Oh, and uh, just, 
I will say the ref bump is phenomenal. It's not like, oh, I got lightly brushed and take that. He gets yeeted out of that <laughs> ring onto the floor. It's it's funny though, going back now after we watched so many technical all Japan matches and big moves and, and new Japan and and the the thing that you compare it most obviously to that we've relatively recently watched the um actually no we're ahead of ourselves on the release schedule um but yeah you watch you know it's funny going back to that early 80s period where it is just yeah you know double dqs and double count outs are such common finishes that um dave Meltzer has no point right Mm. sorry that's what i was saying the Shawn michaels mick foley match yes um that that does end in a double that ends in a dq finish but after but at that point Mm. culturally uh 10 years on it feels like we can't have a, a DQ finish get five stars. And from another's perspective, in terms of like the um, the amount of blood you see, um, the only equivalent I can really think to that after this is War Games in terms of like yeah. the sheer amount yeah. of blood that you see. Yeah, that's true. War Games as well is the obvious thing to, to compare it to. But this has a better structure than War Games really because they are still working within that Southern tag team style. It's funny, actually. I listened recently to uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin rewatching War Games '92, uh, and a lot of his criticisms being criticisms that I had about it. That there is that lack of structure and finish, and yeah, it all just sort of stops and everything. Um, maybe I don't know. It's, it's a funny thing when you look at everyone says, "Oh, guys now don't know about psychology." It's it's up for debate sometimes. I think it's like maybe maybe guys don't know how to play to the crowd anymore. They play to themselves. But in ring psychology, I think is still there. Yeah, maybe it's that's a very interesting one. I don't get now. Oh well, Cause, the crowd. Cause, like, you look at because you look at like bits during this match. Whenever like the sheep herders, one or the other one, is creeping up on one of the fantastics. There's screams from the crowd telling them to turn around. Like one. There's point, one guy. Um. One guy in particular, you keep hearing him, and um, after the sheep herder, sheep herders have engaged in some skullduggery, he is screaming at the ref. Mm. It's like, come, you gotta see that, you gotta see that. But yeah, it's, like I said, the whole story of the match is sort of the Fantastics losing their head to the point that like they're threatening violence to the referees by the end of it. Yeah, like, Tommy Rogers is like, I'm gonna punch you in the mouth <laughs> to both of the referees. Uh, you know, Bobby Fulton's like, you slimy limeys, <laughs> and the rest. So... It's weird as well, because what I will say, um, looking at more of the modern product and a little bit of, obviously, um, old Japan, the refs got a bit of a gut on him, or, or he's wearing a way too tight shirt for him at the start. Mm. He looks like a darts player from the 80s. I don't know, just the 80s in general. Everyone looked like darts players. <laughs> So everyone was playing darts. That, that that's how f- scores were settled. Forget like dueling and that. Mm. That's more eighteen eighties yeah. or seventeen eighties. Or take your um, pick. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just classic uh, southern style tag team wrestling with a lot of blood and a lot of chaos. So it's worth a check out. I mean, you should watch the whole of the Crockett Cup really if you're interested in the history of wrestling and just seeing something that's like a long lost. You know, never thought we'd be, ever see the light of day. You know, a match that hasn't been seen in its full since it was probably seen live by the looks of it, mm. suddenly becoming available, you know. For all, the, for all the things you can be annoyed at the WWE for, and I do plan... I was telling you about this, and I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but I do plan in the future to start um, 
suspending my account for the month or maybe two months that the WWE put on Saudi Arabia shows. But even if you're not a fan of the current product, which is another logical reason to cancel your subscription, the archives are just so good. Yeah. And that's the other thing, we can't really moan about the modern product, we can just watch the old stuff, really, which (laughs) is what we're doing all year round. Well, that's what what the Saudis want, they're just paying um, a lot more to get it in the flesh. The the Saudis want everything to go back to the 15th century, really, don't they, for the most part? (laughs) You're thinking of their their manifesto, but nevertheless... Anyway, the Saudi government, let me say that. That's true. Um... I don't. I'm not. I'm not Bobby Fulton thinking. Every every other country. Everyone's a limey. <laughs> Those limeys in Saudi Arabia. Well, the flag's sort of green. Well, lime green, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wouldn't give this right, five let's... stars. But I do think it's a lot of fun, and people should watch it. Are you along those lines, Simon? Well, to use my second musical reference, um, to quote Meatloaf, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's mm. pretty much exactly what I was going to say. It's just great 80s fun. I, I love it. Mm. But no, it's not five stars. So that has been our, our um, re-rewind episode. Uh, we're going back to our regularly scheduled programming. So I think in the previous episode, we said that this would be the next one. So now it will be the next one. It's the six-man tag All Japan match, the final one with Kabashi and Masawa on the same side as they team with Satoru Osako against the Holy Demon Army of Kawada and Tawe and Tamon Honda. So that's what you have to look forward to. Uh, If people want to get in touch with you, Simon, about 80s wrestling and darts players, how can they do so? Uh, then get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm shown under Simon Cross Free. Free for the gallons of blood that was spilt during the course of this match. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Australia, N for New Zealand. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of there, that's my email address. Otherwise, check me out on Letterboxd, where you'll see my other uh, name. I'll leave it to you to decide which one's real and which one's not. Uh, but it's at Lorcan Mullen there anyway. It's uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the others. Uh, but anyway, there's nothing left for me to say now, except for my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. <laughs> <laughs>